Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. We are your hub for queer and trans mental health care. Each episode, we talk with one of our open space therapists or LGBTQ community member about mental health and building community. I am your host, Renee Johnson, they, them. Founder of Open Space Therapy Collective, I'm a licensed therapist and an art therapist. I specialize in working with queer artists who are exploring their gender identity and recovering from complex trauma. This week, we are talking with Kristen Crow, she, they. Kristen is a licensed therapist, dance movement therapist, and clinical supervisor with Open Space Therapy Collective. Kristen specializes in working somatically with adults and partners to help heal the mind-body connection so you can feel more grounded and vibrant every day. As we dive into today's topic, please keep in mind that this is a mental health podcast and we will talk about sensitive issues. If you would like to be informed of any trigger warnings, please read the podcast description. Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. We are so glad that you are here today. And we have joining us our uh, lead therapist and clinical supervisor, Kristen Crow. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Renee. How are you? I, I'm, I'm, uh, it's a weird day, man. It is a weird day, but we're going to roll with it and see what happens. And this might be a little, little punchier than some of the ep- other episodes, but meh. I feel like all of my episodes are punchy. (laughs) Probably. Um, uh, So today we're going to talk about why and how queer relationships can start mirroring heterodynamics, which happens a lot. Um, What about this topic drew you to want to dive into it? I feel like I am seeing this a lot in the room with a lot of my clients right now. Um, And as well as like a lot of my friends and sometimes my own life. So like, it's, it's good to just kind of look at this and see what's going on and normalize some of it and also challenge some of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. I think this happens so much and it like is in our subconscious, both of ourselves and our culture that like it can sneak in and we don't even realize that it's happening. Yeah. So to start out, like, what are some examples that you've seen or experienced of the, the toxic side of a hetero relationship sneaking into or starting to show up in a queer relationship? Yeah, I'll just throw that one out first, huh? All right. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Um. Oh, my God. Some of the toxic ways that hetero dynamics sneak into queer relationships. I think that we end up in a lot of is role lock therapy speak or is it like normal people speak anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think if you explain it, that'll work. Like I feel like it sounds like what it is though. Like you get locked yeah. into these these roles of like thinking that you have to be a certain way or you have to do the certain things because that is the role that you have been assigned in the relationship and because society dictates that one person be the mask person and one person be the femme person, whether mm-hmm. or not that's real in your and present in your relationship. And so 
then I think that that turns toxic in the sense of there is resentment and feeling like there can't be a full expression of who you are as a person in your relationship because you feel stuck in this role Mm -hmm. of this energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like some real easy tangible ways are like the stay at home mom or the femme person typically does the dishes and does the sweeping and does the laundry while the mask person will, you know, fix the broken door handle and mow the lawn. Take out the trash and yeah, that kind of stuff. What about emotional roles? What are some like stereotypical mask femme femme emotional roles? Oh, like masks don't get to have emotions and they Mm -hmm. have to be much more cool and aloof and you're not allowed to cry. And I can't even say that with a straight face without rolling (laughs) my eyes. Um, Then the femme has to be the soft, emotional, understanding, empathetic, handle all the things uh, or can't handle all the things and can't be trusted to make (laughs) decisions of Mm -hmm. some kind. Um, Yeah. There's probably more, but sure. But like, that's a good, like general picture of like, here's some, some really obvious stereotypes that hetero relationships really have been built on, right? Like Mm -hmm. the fact that stay at home moms is like a thing that everybody knows and is really common. Um, And it's not the other way around, even to the point where like, you know, I don't know. I'm hoping this doesn't happen as much anymore, but like a lot of um, women will go to college, not expecting to actually have a career just to find a partner to have kids and go down the white picket fence journey. Um, What's, what's wrong with that? Like where, when it comes, when it starts to transfer over to queer relationships, What's, what's wrong with it? Where does it cause problems? I think if you're looking at the ways that queer relationships can and do evolve, right? Like as people kind of explore things, especially like AFAB, right? Like you grow up with these certain stereotypes in your head. And then as you start to uncover things that you decide to shirk from society, things like you might be growing and evolving. And if you're locked in this role, I mean, not that straight women don't do that too, but you might get locked in this role and feel stifled that you don't get to fully expand on your anything, your dreams, your identity, your goals. Um, And you get, there's resentment. And what if your partner wants to shift in that too, Mm -hmm. right? And like, how do you navigate those things? And do you feel allowed, like you're allowed to navigate those challenges together? I don't know if that answered your question. I think, tell me what I'm missing, but like there's the queer relationships when we're at our best have a lot of fluidity and flexibility for Mm -hmm. both 
for all partners. Um, mm-hmm. And when we get into the stereotype of the heterodynamic, it's a lot more rigid and there's a lot more mm-hmm. stuckness and unrealistic expectations of what the other should or shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. That was much more succinctly said. <laughs> Um, you know, what we're talking about this, but we're also assuming that the listener understands what that flexibility and fluidity can look like. Um, and not everybody understands that. And so one of the beautiful things about queer relationships is because it's queer in the various ways that it can be queer, it really challenges and has, um, partners really bumping up against the like cultural expectation. And so you're going into these relationships with like, I don't like this part, or I do like that part, or this doesn't work for me, but it works for you. Is there a compromise that we can make in this? Um, What are some, you know, as a relationship therapist, what are some queer relationship dynamics that you see really working? I think it's the willingness to be open and communicate about where you are, like in that moment, in that day, in this stage of your life. And it's a constant negotiation and just like openness to that. And I think that that's really hard for for people in general right to Mm -hmm. to verbalize where you need to be and what you need in the moment but I think the dynamics that I see working the best are the ones who are really open and empathetic to hear what their partner has to say and it doesn't mean you have to accept it all the time but like you said is there a compromise in the middle Mm -hmm. um and I think it's just having these like willingness to be vulnerable I think it's probably the biggest like skill that I see being really beneficial to the longevity and like I don't want to say compatibility what's the word I want I don't know what the word I want is not it compatibility works Eh, okay sure (laughs) I mean I think that vulnerability piece is a really good point because in the hetero stereotype the mass person doesn't get any emotions and they're just the provider and the fixer and the femme person tends to be the caretaker so has to shove down a bunch of emotions and do a bunch of emotional management for other people or floods emotions and both are both are avoidant um like attachments and neither one of them are an invitation to the other one to show up as their full authentic self. And it's a to the point where it's a rejection of like, no, I want you to bring home the paycheck or I want you to take care of the kids. And like, I care about that more than I care about who you are, what's going on for you, how you're feeling, how you're interested in growing both as a person and together. Um, where the, when we get into these queer dynamics and people are ebbing and flowing and changing and growing, that continual invitation and showing up to to do the same that you're inviting your your 
your partners to engage in um, is is beautiful and why a lot of like queer relationships really work mm-hmm. and it also like brings up the extra challenge of like on the outside if one like if your friends family see like one version of the roles that you have taken on then like to have them shift might get confusing for other people and so like how do you stand in that ground and be strong and be like no this is what actually works for us we don't need to have this shoved back down our throat like these are the roles that we're supposed to be in Mm -hmm. yeah so strength and vulnerability it is i mean even on the you know i i know for me it's like I'm not somebody who wants kids. I've never wanted kids. That's not not a thing. Love my friends' kids. They're great. I'm glad I can send them home and don't have to take care of them. Um, but that was a really difficult thing, both for family to accept because they wanted grandkids and they wanted to the line to go on or you know whatever. Um, and it was also hard in dating people because it was a lot of, oh, they'll change their mind. Oh, they just think that now, but that will shift. And it took a long time to find partners who were like, oh, cool. Uh, I believe you. And what I also don't want to be a caretaker for a kid. And so there's also a, a, a piece of, Yes, stand up to family who's taking a while to adapt to it and making sure that you're drawing the queer partners that are aligned with what you want and believe Mm -hmm. you when you tell them things. Mm -hmm. And also aren't interested in shutting down parts of your queer identity. Mm, because I'm thinking specifically about a person um that I'm working with who um has a partner who is only interested in some parts of their queer identity versus like not other parts like gender stuff is totally fine like we can ebb and flow through that but who they are attracted to is not okay and fine like Mm -hmm. right so like you're only allowed to be interested in one gender and that would be the gender that I align with um and so like not having space for that piece of it too or like you are a whole person who has a whole range of expressions and experiences and beliefs and knowledge about yourself and you deserve someone who can see and hold and validate all of that mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, for this person's other partner too, it's not working for them either. Like when we are, when we're feeling like, oh, I'm just going to ignore this part of my partner because I don't like it. You are then saying, I'm going to stay with somebody who's not actually a good fit for me because I'm sure there's a bunch of other stuff that there that hasn't come up that's also not working. Um, and yeah. it can be hard to admit that when you do care about them. But it's 
if you're denying or shutting down or trying to change parts about somebody, you don't actually like them. I wholeheartedly agree with that. <laughs> Not my job as a therapist. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> From a personal, personal level, yes. <laughs> we did get um, a couple questions in that I think I'm just going to read um, verbatim because I think they're good examples of roles that people can get into. And I'm curious what yeah. you think about them. Um, so one says... I love my partner, but I can't get them to see that I want more than just a role play of a white picket fence and a house kind of relationship. They're so cottagecore. How can I get them to break free? God, it's the snark that wants to come out of me. It's literally like send them to therapy. Um, I don't know if that's not my real answer. Um, Wait, hang on one second. I think somebody's yelling at the door. Uh, I'll be right back. Okay, pause recording. I would be really curious to know, like, what about cottage core is so appealing to that partner, and like, what is the what is the root of what they're seeking based in that? Is it like, is it the security that it's supposed to provide is it the like cloak of normalcy is it like is it just what's been ingrained in them then they don't know any better like is is it scary to have something else like i'd just be really curious about like why why is that so appealing and like are there other ways that we can create that in our relationship together that don't look like this mm -hmm. yeah i i think that's great because there's you know the the cottage core fantasy is uh cute and all but it's a fantasy and so what about what about that like you're saying is really at the at the root of the desire or the thing that the partner is craving um because a white picket fence is not the same as emotional security. Um, and so if you just like a white picket fence, then that's an aesthetic choice, but that's clearly not what this person is talking about. And so is there something in the relationship that doesn't feel emotionally secure mm -hmm. and it, they're seeking it out by this cottage core role play? Yep. Um, another question is, my partner is older and they seem to want me to play a certain role and I just don't want that hetero model. But there's no model if you're queer, just stereotypes. I think I'd still be really interested in like, what about like what is your partner seeking in this? Is it like control? Is it <laughs> um, like there's a place for that in kink or something if you've got full consent for it. But if like we're mm -hmm. looking at just like that is the way I want you to operate, then I'd still mm -hmm. be really curious to know like 
what is that doing for you? And what does it do for me Mm -hmm. to play into that for you? Mm -hmm. Um, And again, like, how can I practice my own autonomy and being a person and like still feeling safe for you? Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess the, I mean, it's true, right? There are queer stereotypes and not as many role models. That is not where we are as a society at the moment. Um, So I think it rolls back to having those like open and vulnerable conversations and being really willing to dive in and understand where your partner is coming from and why. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I see a lot with clients is when there's an age gap. Um, let's say a Gen X or geriatric millennial and a young millennial or a Gen Z person are dating they're, they came up in very different queer societies, right? Like the younger millennials and Gen Z, gender fluidity is basic. Um, sexual fluidity is basic. Uh, having varying relationship styles, not just be not a threat, but also be something that somebody wants um, and is very normalized is kind of second nature to the younger crew, uh, which is great and beautiful. But the older crew didn't grow up with that. Like a lot of this language they weren't even introduced to until they were in their 30s, until they were like a grown ass adult with in mid career and with the job and all of that stuff. And so it's, it can often be it's not that the, the older partner isn't open to, it's just that they, they they don't understand it yet or they don't know how to start engaging it with it yet and they're hitting up a bunch hitting up a against a bunch of stuff that um was societal norm for them um but isn't anymore and need time and under, understanding and some grace to make that shift also I'm true sure, yeah i'm curious if you're seeing seeing that at all Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I am, I am seeing some of, I think I'm seeing both to be honest. Um, and it is, it's, it definitely is. It's a culture shift for those of us who are a little bit older and that's right. And like, <laughs> did that. I'll add us both. It's fine. So, mm-hmm. like, um, like just not having the language and not understanding it. I agree that it's not that we're not open to it. Sometimes it's just that we have to literally shift the things that are what we have known this whole time. Mm-hmm. Right. And just broaden our understanding. And it's part of being open. Um, but like still the willingness to change is not always a thing that is instilled in all. So I think it's a, it's a both sort of thing. Yeah, I'm realizing that I'm seeing also is in these age differences. Yes, the older partner is needs more time and needs to do some more manual shifting. Um, but the younger partner do- also doesn't always understand what emotional safety is and how to provide emotional safety in a relationship. 
because um, they maybe have only had one or two real relationships before that, if any. Um, and so it can be a real struggle balance for teaching both partners to learn different relational tools at the same time so they can continue to come together. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that I feel like younger generation has also started to do a lot more work in providing emotional safety, like in general within like peer groups. Mm -hmm. And so not saying that like doing it with a partner is different, right? There's a different level of intimacy there. Um, yeah. Just, just noting that it's not like a super foreign concept, but like shifting how that shows up in an intimate relationship versus like it does with your peer group. Like, yes, emotional, emotional literacy is something that we have to continue to learn throughout our lifetimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're, yeah, uh, you're totally right in that. Like, um, it's been a beautiful thing to see the younger generations really step up in a lot of these ways. Um, and I think we will all be learning emotional literacy until we are done on this plane and doing whatever's next. I absolutely hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to get, I do not want to get stuck in any particular stage of that. <laughs> like to get better. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Okay, one more, one more question that came in was, uh, I broke up with my last partner because we fought so much. But now the same thing is happening with my new partner. Am I the problem? My brain is like, how does this currently fit into this topic? <laughs> the other half of the brain is, okay, hold on. Well, I think it's something that I mean, we see a lot on TV and like heterodynamics is like the bickering is like expected and the old ball and chain or being really curmudgeon towards your partners are, sure. is like cute and something you're going for. And so I think it's easy if we're talking about like queerness versus like heterodynamics, it's easy to kind of go to that like bickery place, which then can turn into uh arguments like this this person is talking about because well i'll let you take it from there it would be remiss to say that like 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 all couples fight couples argue mm -hmm. couples get on each other's nerves mm -hmm partners in general mm -hmm. and so there would be a couple of things that I would look at right like is it are they fights are they disagreements are there things that you're able to work through are they new fights that you're having all the time or are you having the same fight all of the time mm -hmm. are we picking fights like I have I have so many more questions than I can like I can't say yes or no, someone's the problem. <laughs> like I have questions that need to be answered before mm -hmm. I could even begin to postulate. Um, 
And so I would, I would just be really curious to know, like, why, why are you fighting? What is, what is the dynamic there? What is it coming from? What is it stemming from? Like one of the questions I asked a client earlier today was like, oh, we're having a lot of fights and it's because they do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, okay, but like, are those things against your value system or do they just kind of annoy you? Mm-hmm. And like, if it's, if they're just kind of annoying then sure, let's talk about that and see like what kind of compromise it is. But like, if it's against your value system, then that's kind of a different conversation, mm-hmm. right? And like, are you staying with this person because of heterosexual norms of like necessity mm-hmm. in your brain, right? Like, or is it something different that can be worked through? So, mm-hmm. yeah. I have, too many, I have too many questions to give that an actual like yes or no answer. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, that is even really important. And as like you're going through these, you're like, I have more questions is, you know, in really talking about like the queer hetero relationship dynamics and how one can melt into the other one is being really curious. And like you were saying before, that vulnerability, that flexibility, that um, curiosity about your partner and about what's going on with them, about what's going on with you and ways to come together is, is really the key thing here. And at any point where you're finding yourself shut down, you're finding yourself being judgmental, you're rejecting your partner, old wounds are coming up and things get rigid is a really great sign of being like, oh shit, hetero stuff is leaking in. We need to take a beat and really come back to a place where we're being curious about ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. Ooh, when you said that, then my next question was like, is that like a femme energy issue that like, you're just going to take on these problems and decide that it's your fault? Uh, yeah. Which is a great point because Thank if you. one partner's like, okay, great. I'm going to do that. And the other partner's like, yeah, you do that. And like lure me out of my shell. Well, then that's not, it only works if both partners are doing it. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> um, how, how are you seeing this coming up with yourself or in your community or with your friend group? I feel, I mean, you know, relationships are each their own entity and like, it's hard to give a general blanket statement, but I think that it, as my friend group tends to be of the older millennial generation, it is a lot of the like stopping and questioning and like having a lot of these conversations that get really comfortable for a bit. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, like we actually have practiced emotional safety and we can get through this. Um, But it is a lot of like, I feel like I spend a lot of time in conversations where we kind of normalize, no, like that is how we've, that's how this is designed. And we don't have to like sit in this design. We can create our own new one. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's just a lot of validation in some ways. It doesn't have to be like that. You're, you're not, you're not abnormal. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
I mean, I think, <laughs> I hope I want to say this, but like, I think the divorce rate in like hetero relationships is proof that it's not working for them either. And so really breaking <laughs> it down and being like, what's prescribed doesn't work. What is it that I actually want mm-hmm. is, is really important. Super important. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today and talking about this. Um, this is a huge part of what I know you work on in the room with clients. And it's a huge part of all of us in our, in our daily lives with our partners. Um, we, in, in closing, something to check in on is like how important community is. Um, therapy is a great, a great tool and a great resource, but it's really the community that that holds you up and supports you and makes your life vibrant. And I'm curious for you in the last like week or so, what's been a great moment of like queer community connection for you? But the first thing that comes to mind outs me in my personal life a little bit more, but I guess that's fine. So uh, I'm doing, I'm doing a show um, with one of our hopeful future podcast guests. And it was just really lovely to, um, uh, like he came into the studio last night when I was about to teach and I was like, wait, no, I can't start teaching yet. I have to go give him a hug and a kiss. Okay. I'll see you later. <laughs> and it was just really nice that he like dropped in and like sent some love into the studio. And then I got to mm. just see him and say hi. And it felt really nice. That's awesome. I love that. Oh, those surprise, those surprise pop-ins are so like warm and fuzzy. Yeah. He never comes in on Tuesdays. He normally drops my stuff off on Wednesdays. So I was like, oh, what are you doing here? (laughs) Um, you know, it's, I've had, uh, a a rough couple weeks. There's like been some uh, like emotional stuff happening um, and being able to say like, Hey, I have to cancel on plans. I'm s- like, sorry, something's come up and having, having my queer crew be like, Hey, yo, we get it. No problem. I'll see you next week when things are better. Um, just is really loving and very like, even though it's time that I, I need to do some self-care and recharge that, le- that space of, I don't have to perform and, they're there and it doesn't uh compromise the relationship it feels really really supportive um and something i really appreciate about my career yep well thank you thank you again so much um thank you to listeners for joining us today you can find us uh spotify apple podcasts youtube um please subscribe please rate I know everybody says this, but it does make a difference. Please share. Um, You can also find us um, and join our online community, TikTok, Instagram, My Therapist is Out, and uh, Open Space Therapy Collective. Uh, If you're interested in booking an intro call with any of our therapists, including the wonderful Kristen Crow, uh, you can find us at OpenSpaceTherapyCollective.com. Thanks so much. Cheers, y'all. Thanks for joining us. If you're in California and looking for a therapist, visit our website at openspacetherapycollective.com and book a free intro call with one of our therapists. If you're enjoying My Therapist Is Out, please rate, review, and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube.
My Therapist is Out is an open space therapy collective podcast. Our therapists are Renee Johnson, Kristen Crow, Debbie White, Jenny Nigro, and Tara Friedman. Our podcast editing is done by Smash and Grab Studio. We'd love to hear from you about today's topic, so you can email us at info at openspacetherapycollective.com. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at My Therapist Is Out and Open Space Therapy Collective. Thanks for listening.